should be liberty men and liberty women. They're trying to stamp it out, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So in us, the Spirit of the Lord dwells, then our, it's our DNA. We want to see people free. We want to see nations free. And we know the freedom comes in the gospel. You know, he that knows the truth. But this man, now I should have been taking notes, but you know, sometimes you don't have time. I don't know how you take notes in this hour. There's so much happening, so much being released, so much. It's like knowledge is increasing, just like the Lord said. But he said every war that's happened since the War of 1812, he said the only war in America that was probably a just war that men somehow did not have their hands in it trying to urge, urge the events on, trying to create some atmosphere where the people would want or be conditioned for war. He said the only war that's been was since the War of 1812. And then he started naming all the wars. And he said this event happened during the Civil War. This event happened World War I. This event happened Korea, Vietnam. He listed them all. And I thought, God, you mean men have always had their hands? It's always been money the root of all evil really is the love of money. So men, now don't let that shake your faith. Because I was thinking about that. Lord, how do you explain that? Well, are we not ambassadors for Christ? So what are you supposed to be doing? The will of the Father, right? We're sent with a mission and a message. Well, what are Satan's ambassadors going to be doing? They're going to be doing the will of their Father. That's what they do. You either do the will of God in the last days... Are you going to be lined up to do the will of your father, the devil? Jesus said that about a whole group of people. They thought they were of Abraham's seed, remember? He said, no, you're not of Abraham. If you were of Abraham, you would do the deeds of Abraham, but you're doing the deeds of your father, and your father is the devil. So what is Satan involved in today? Stealing, killing, wars, destroying. So that's no wonder there have been many that have been taken captive to do the devil's will. And you and I have been taken captive to do the will of our God. At the same time, it's going to be a wonderful battle and a wonderful time. You've been chosen for the moment. I had a flashback this morning. You know when Jill, you guys, the last Sunday of appreciation for Pastor's Day. You appreciated me. I appreciate that. Because sometimes you feel very unappreciated. And then you learn what it's supposed to be. Do you think the Lord was appreciated? You know, what do you think they did? But anyway, Jill said, she gave me a word that the Lord saw me as a little boy. And I was still that, I had that little boy, you know, and I'm still the one. So this morning I had a flashback. And I'm standing in front of our church, the first Baptist church in my town in Louisiana, waiting to go into vacation Bible school. How many of you remember those days? Anybody? And they always did that song, Onward Christian Soldiers Marching As to War. We don't sing that anymore. Many churches have dumped it. But anyway, I remember walking through those doors as a little kid, Onward Christian Soldiers. 
And anyway, we're in that time right now. It's like the Lord was saying, you remember when you were standing outside the door? Well, guess what? You're marching inside, and uh, this is it. But he goes on one of the verses. Said, I looked it up. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where saints have trod. When I read that, I thought, now, no, we're treading where no saints have ever trod, Lord. I don't know anyone that's been this way, the way we're going today. But then it says, we are not divided, all one body, one in hope, doctrine, and one in charity. And so there's going to be great effort to divide the camp. Satan comes to, to divide. If he divides the husband from the wife, what does he do? He destroys. He divides the children from the parents. What does he do? He destroys that relationship. He divides nations. He gets parties pitted at one another. And, you know, the battle lines have obviously been drawn. But he just gets all kinds of division. And he's doing it now on a massive scale. And I'm telling you, I wish I could tell you more, but I'm just hearing this. I'm saying, God, Lord, pinch me if this isn't happening. Lord, you got you to help me have a word in season. So anyway, I want to pray over you. Then I'm going to get to the word. Okay, I hadn't even started yet. Are you guys okay? I hadn't even got I'm just going to go fast. But I want to pray over you that you'll be the peacemakers and not taking sides. Now, we obviously stand on truth and righteousness and the word of God. But ultimately, we stand with Jesus, period. And you stand on the gospel. And so anyway, I'm going to pray over you. Is that okay? Just that you'll have strength to stand in this hour and withstand all the, the demonic forces. Be angry, but sin not. It's okay to be angry. We've heard things that have happened. There's a righteous anger. It should be there. We're people. We're normal people. Things affect us emotionally. But Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for the people of God, Lord, here, those that are watching Lord, I don't know all that Bob meant, and, and Lord, all the things happening in this hour, there seems like there have been other volcanoes in Iceland, but Lord, it's something different about this time, and so we thank you. We've been called to this moment, and I declare over these that we will withstand all the winds, the contrary winds of doctrine, and every demonic lie and force that would seek to divide the body of Christ would seek to bring further division. Lord, I pray for an anointing to stand on truth and to walk in the revelation of Jesus, that that will be our ultimate purpose and passion is to know him in whom all things are going to be summed up in these days. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And I pray for grace. I pray for the anointing, to, Lord, that will lead our children, will lead our families, Lord, away from error, away from, away from evil, to avoid the pitfalls and to walk on truth and to stand for you in this hour. God, make our children bold as a lion. Cause our children in their places where you place them to be bold, confident, courageous. The bold or the righteous are bold as a lion. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, touch our nation. Lord, like Rivera, there are people up all over the nation you're raising up. God, give them voices to speak. Thus saith the Lord in this hour. And Lord, help your church in America to be one. We declare it. 
God, if I'm beginning to see this thousand-year strategy, then God, just come in and mess it up. From Moravian Falls, North Carolina, we're asking, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, spoil the plans of the enemy. Lord, you already did that on the cross. We stand on the promise of the resurrection for our nation and our children. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, bless the Lord. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. And anyway, so we're going to pick up with part two of a message on the valleys that we're all going through. So we were in Isaiah chapter 40. Look over with me there for a moment. And um, everybody remember last week everything we said? Probably not. So I'm going to review just quickly. I only remember a handful of messages in my entire life. But some of them I remember as if they preached them yesterday. And there's some things God wants us to remember. The Holy Spirit will bring to our memory at the right time things we need to understand. So anyway, so I'll just review quickly and then release the rest of that word. But Isaiah chapter 40, remember it's one of the great chapters in the Bible. You know, at the end, it says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He neither faints nor is weary. How many of you are so glad for that? His understanding is unsearchable. You will never be able to fully exhaust, understand his understanding. He gives power to the weak. How many of you are thankful? Power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength even to the youth. They shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But he that waits upon the Lord shall do what? They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. But we didn't begin there. That's just where that chapter is. It's a reminder. God is not going to grow weary in this hour. So don't you grow weary. In fact, you can lean upon him. He'll give you strength when you think you have none left. Now, at the earlier part of that is where we're reminded to be the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And what was our message or that message in Isaiah, which is to be ours as well? What was it? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. So somehow in the unfolding purposes of God, we are to prepare his way in his coming to his people, in his people, through his people, for his people, and even the judgments that are going to occur around his people. Does that make sense? We're to prepare the way of the Lord. Don't grow weary. And uh, we're to be that voice of one crying in the wilderness. And then he mentions the wilderness. That's sometimes where you feel like you're the only one speaking up, and everyone else has run for cover. It, it's, it's the times you feel like you're all alone. And then in the desert. That's the times when you feel like you're dry spiritually. You know, in a desert, you're also alone, but it's a place you need, you may need a drink of water, but you know, you don't grow weary. And then the valley, that's the low times. How many of you have ever been in any low times? I get in low times. Sometimes life is like this. You can ask Shirley, how many of you always walk up on the mountain? Anybody? We go through things. We're emotional beings. We go through, we know we're coming out. And then the mountains, in this case, are the obstacles that stand in our way. Crooked places, that's where you can't see very far. You know, there are a lot of crooked roads. There's some places in America where the roads are straight 
for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles miles and miles. And then you go miles, and they're still straight. And anyway, I'm thinking of Texas and places, but and then the rough places where they're hard, you'd rather avoid. Or any of you, like me, there's some things you'd just rather avoid in life. Going through some particular, Lord, lead us not into temptation. I'd love to avoid all those things. But regardless of all that we mention, what was the promise in verse 5? The glory of the Lord is going to be revealed. And the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So we want to give thanks in all those places. Because regardless of where we are, there's an ultimate purpose that's going to be beyond our own. And that is, has to do with his glory. You know the answer right now, it's not somebody speaking or whatever. It's the glory of the Lord filling the house of the Lord. If he flooded the, the churches of America, I have a feeling some things would be straightened out. His presence. So anyway, okay, so we're looking at all the valleys. So just remind you, the first valley was the valley of Shaveh. And on the surface, it was the valley of the kings, but... Hebrew scholars tell us that there's a saying in Hebrew that says, you've reached the valley of Shaveh. And what it means is you've reached a compromise. Now, there are good compromises, I guess. I don't know. I hear some politicians, they come up with a compromise. I don't know if it's worth a flip. To be honest with you, I think they should have stood their ground instead of compromise. They compromised their faith in my book. They should have stood regardless of what the cost would have been. So anyway, but we're all going to go there. And remember, we looked in Genesis 14. We won't go back. But in this valley, Abram was tempted by the king of Sodom to give up on his integrity and that which he knew to be true because Melchizedek had blessed him, Abram, spoken of what God wanted to do. So then all of a sudden, he's tempted to compromise by the king of Sodom. Well, that, had, that could not be a good word. You don't want to listen to the king of Sodom. They're running rampant. Kings of Sodom, they're all around us. But there's the promise of God. And Abram obviously passed the test because in the next chapter is when he, he received the promise of a great covenant. And we've got to pass the test in this hour. You may lose all your friends. So what? I've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You may lose all the people. Well, if God be for you, who can be against you? You may lose your popularity. You should have already lost it. If you're popular in this world, Jesus said, if, you, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And you need to beware when all men speak well of you. Because that's how they spoke of the false prophets. But we want... To follow him. And then there's the valley of Sodom, and that is where Sodom and Gomorrah was located. And that's where we go through these valleys where sin, it seems like, is abounding. And but how much, how many of you know when sin abounds, grace much more abounds? But there's individual temptation. If anyone says he's not, you know, if he hadn't sinned, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. And remember, we said last week, the devil is a liar. He comes in a twofold purpose. First, before you sin, he tells you everybody's doing it. Come on, get in on it, man. You don't want to mess out. 
Everybody's doing it. It's got to be okay if everybody's doing it, right? And then you do it, and what happens? He comes in and says, now you've blown it. It's over. God doesn't love you anymore. It's, you have blown your whole entire life. You shouldn't even been born. You should go end it. It's over. Now, he's a liar at both points. Number one, you don't have to give in to sin. You don't have to, No amen. For the grace that has been brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ teaches you to live godly, righteously, and holy in the present age. So there's grace, grace that saved you, enables you to walk the life you've been called to walk. It's by grace which we stand. And then secondly, if anyone sins, let him, we have an advocate, Christ Jesus. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to do what? to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So we got to stand. And then I was thinking how, you know, nations right now are going to be tempted, not only individuals, but nations, and how we've been preaching the gospel in Uganda. And when they were tempted to yield to the Babylonian system from this nation and the Western nations to adopt sexual immorality into their, their views and their schools, they rose up and said, no. We will follow Jesus Christ. That's an example of how you stand for truth in this hour. Even though they may threaten to withhold your funds. Listen, the kingdom of God is not going to go broke. If America is your source, you're in trouble, buddy. But if God is your source, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. And somehow it's going to still be never. I believe God, not the Antichrist system. And then there's the Valley of Eskol, and that's where you come to a crossroads. And in our journey, all of us are going to come to crossroads where you can go one way or the other. It probably happens almost every day, but I share with you how in my own life in Louisiana, we would go over the border there into Mississippi, and there was a town called Crossroads, Mississippi. But it wasn't a town, it was just a barbershop. And I shared with you, I hated going to that barbershop because they always did what my dad wanted them to do, cut all my hair off. I wanted it to grow. In those days, I wanted to be like everybody else. But when we went into that barbershop, you had no choice. Barber was crazy. But anyway, we were there. <laughs> I, I didn't like that barber. No, I, God bless that barber. You know, but that's what I remember at Crossroads. Had to be something more spiritual than that. And there was. You go left and you go to Miss Boone's camp along the Pearl River. She became my spiritual mom. So that was a good thing. In that case, the left was the best choice. If you go to right, you'd go to Picayune, Mississippi. And who wanted to go to Picayune? But anyway, so. And then there, I better get on with this because I got to get to the rest of the message. I'm just going to touch. Then there's the Valley of Kidron, the Valley of Suffering. And so we have to, before there's a crown, you have to take up your cross. Well, it's not, not Christianity 101. He said, if any man come after me, let him take up his cross daily, deny himself, and follow me. So how are you going to get in on the fellowship? No, wait. You know, yeah, the fellowship of the resurrection, the power of his resurrection, if you've not shared in the fellowship of his sufferings. And then the valley of Elah, and that's where David heard Goliath, 
and the uncircumcised, but he stood. And then there's the Valley of Rephaim. And that's where, remember, I shared with you about Benaiah, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, the, one of the mighty men who killed two lion-like creatures, no, of Moab, uh, heroes. They were heroes of Moab. And he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And we talked about how that sometimes the conditions are not going to be too favorable for you to, to assure yourself of victory in a pit, facing a lion, on a snowy day. What kind of odds is that? It's snowing, you're not even used to it. But you're facing a lion and there's no way out. But he killed that lion and God's putting us in situations where there's no way out. And it will look unfavorable, but God has promised those in Christ Jesus will always triumph. We always triumph in Christ. And then the valley of salt and that was about being effective in ministry. So here's the rest of them. Okay, I'm going to do it really quick. You ready? Number one, now this one's serious. Go to Jeremiah chapter 7. It's a serious valley in the life of Israel who had already received the promise that blessed are those who bless you and cursed are those who curse you. But God was reminding them of something, and I believe this is also a word for us, because whatever was written before him was written for who? It's us, on whom the ends of the ages have come. So verse 1 of Jeremiah 7. This is a serious chapter. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I'm just going to read. Are you, guys, are you guys okay if I just read the Bible? Stand in the gate of the Lord's house. Now, that would be equivalent to standing right outside the door. As the people are entering in on a Sunday morning, this is Jeremiah's task. He was called to stand there. And he's also standing right before as the people of God were entering in. He says, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there the word and say, hear the word of the Lord. All you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now, how many of you would think that's probably going to carry a little weight if the Lord of hosts says of himself, thus says the Lord of hosts. So Jeremiah is prophesying, thus says the Lord. The God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings. And I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Why did he repeat that three times? Anybody have an idea? He wanted them to get the message. It's not going to do you any good to say, this is the house of the Lord. I am a church member. I am a church member. This is the house of the Lord. I am the people of God. No, there's more to it than that. Don't trust in lying words. Verse 5, for if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, you do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Say forever and ever. It's going back to the covenant. Will you steal? 
Well, verse 8, behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say we're delivered to do all of these abominations. Now, I'm just reading the Bible. You can get, you can get killed this day for doing this, but I'm going to read it anyway. Verse 11, has this house which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes. Behold, I, even I have seen it, says the Lord. But now go to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I've set my name there at the first. Here's an example. Go look and see what happened and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. Now, what was Shiloh? Did anybody know? It was a town about 18 miles north of Jerusalem. It's where the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant was set up after the conquest of Canaan. And because, but because of their disobedience to the Lord, the Lord lowered the wall, removed the hedge, he whistled, and the Philistines came in and destroyed the entire land and made a heyday. And the judgments of God came upon those who were to walk in the blessing of God. And then you can go on and read. There's so much more in uh, chapter 12, but go now and see this place of whom did it happen, the wickedness and such on. And then he goes on. And you could just read on and on, but if we read on and on, we would never get out of chapter 7. And then chapter 8, there's the peril of false teaching. Folks, I'm telling you, do you I remember the day. I was reading, was it First Peter, Second Peter, one of the Peters? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I just remember saying, God, there sure were a lot of false prophets in your day. Because it said that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, and guess what? There's a lot of false prophets in your day too. And I'm telling you, there are false prophets all through the land. You're going to have to have an ear to hear, not just what the prophets have to say. Hear, thus saith the Lord, in the prophet, in the politician, in the preacher. It doesn't matter. You don't hear my voice. You listen for the other voice. My sheep hear my voice, and another voice they're not going to follow. And then it goes on. There's so much. They had forsaken the Lord and they didn't like Jeremiah. You know what they did to Jeremiah? They threw him in a pit with no water, no food, and he's sinking in this mire. And then, thank God, it wasn't his time because these guys got an idea to tie their shirts and clothes together, whatever they wore, and lowered it down, and they rescued Paul out of that pit. But listen, some of you are going to get thrown in the mire. That doesn't mean God's against you. Just hang in there and see what the rest of the story is. And you might stay in that pit. God's still for you. Because you got to have one eye in the world today and one eye fixed on eternity to make it in this hour. If you're only looking for what you're going to get in this life, you're in for a rude awakening. It's not just about what's going to happen here. There are many that went before us that paid the price, the ultimate price, so that we could be where we are today. And anyway, and then the next thing is Psalm 84. Look over real quick. 
Some of you are saying, sure, real quick, I bet. No, it is, real quick. But we got to hear the word. I can't have a part three because next week there's somebody else here anyway. And um, I don't always preach here. I don't have to. I only when I preach when there's a thus saith the Lord. That's the way I feel. I am not the kind of guy that's going to get up and give you a Bible lesson. Okay, today we're going to go to Bible lesson number 670,000. And I'm just not that kind. I can't do it if God hadn't burned something inside of me. Sit down, buddy. Go home and watch a football game, whatever it is. Don't stand up in front of the people of God unless you got the Word of God. It's just the way I've been bred. I don't know where I got it. It obviously didn't come from Crossroads, Mississippi, but it came from somewhere. Probably Miss Boone, my spiritual mom, who taught me about the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And she had dreams and visions. And I thought at first, who are you? I never met a Christian like you. God speaks to you. You say you hear his voice. It was all strange to me. Thank God for Mrs. Boone. I'm telling you, I can't wait. Well, I can't wait, but I'd be glad when I do see her. And I'm going to thank her, Miss Boone. You know, did I ever tell you what was really amazing about that many, many years? All through, she prayed for my wife, but she had a child when he was how old? Ten years old, went to get the mail with her. He was run over as they came back across the older son. Oh, the older son and him. And he was killed on the highway. Well, when she met me many years later, I was exact, would have been, I was the age of what her son that she lost would have been. And anyway, it was a, a marriage made in heaven, a spiritual mom. And I'm so thankful for all those that, that spoke into us, prayed over us when we cried and wept. We didn't know what to do. She was there. My own mom was that way, but my spiritual mom. And then there's, and that fits into this. Psalm 84 is the valley of weeping. Say weeping. Look at this. Verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. And that, that means their heart is set on their journey. They're not going to be distracted. They're not going to go over into plan B. They have plan A, that's to follow the Lord. As, as they pass through the valley of Baca, say Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Now, how many of you know the valley of Baca is the valley of weeping? So they may go through a valley of weeping, things they don't understand. They'd rather not go there. It's not that pleasant. But their heart is set on pilgrimage. Their heart is set on going on with God regardless of the cost. And the Lord gives them strength. And even their, their tears become a spring, become a pool that they see the goodness of God in. That's pretty good. I like that if nobody else does. And then there's the Valley of Gehenna. That was the garbage dump in Israel Jesus used to refer to hell and eternal fire where all those who reject Christ will spend eternity. I saw a report on, was it Charisma News, where, you know, that the evidence that the falling away has taken place. And they were giving the statistics of 
those who used to believe in God to those who do, those who believed the Bible, they had a worldview versus now. And those who believed that there was a devil and there was hell, but how few actually believe that today. And I want you to know something. It's still part of the message. The judgment to come is part of our message. We have to let it, we have to shout that message. We have to be the voices of the, the ones crying in the wilderness. We have to speak up if nobody else is saying it. And there's still judgment. And I was thinking about that subject of hell. You know, in the old days, there were preachers, they gave them hell when they walked in. I remember, that was one of the messages I remember. It's when that guy preached on the subject of hell. And they don't preach on that anymore. I'm not going to preach on it, but I'm going to give you some points. You know what hell's for? Who was hell ultimately for? The devil and his angels. I like repeating that. The hell was created for the devil and his angels. And one day he's going to be tossed into that lake that burns with fire. But he knows his time is short, so what is he trying to do? He's trying to get a whole lot of people to join him where he knows his, his ultimate destiny. Now, hell is a place of torment. Remember Luke chapter 16, and Jesus referred to, he was speaking to the rich man, or Lazarus, and the rich man, and he cried, the rich man cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the finger of his finger, the tip of his finger, into cool water, for I'm tormented in these flames. Regardless of what people say about it, whatever you believe about it, it's a place of torment. And I personally believe what Jesus said, he meant what he said, it's a place of flames. And, but ultimately, it's a place of eternal separation. And because he said, he said, those that between us, there's a great gulf fixed. And those that want to pass from here to there, they can't. And those who want to go from there to here, it's too late. But just as hell and judgment are part of the message, heaven and the mercies of God are even more part of the message, right? And we declare that. I, I saw there's a church out by our house, right over the way, not far from here. And they have a billboard, and it says, hell is not filled with people that God has rejected. It's filled with people that have rejected God. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a good, that's appropriate. But you don't have to reject him today. There's a judgment, but there's also salvation. And this is the day of salvation. And people are calling on him all over the earth. I don't, listen, people say, well, when's it going to happen in America? I believe it's happening. You just may not know it. Maybe it's under the surface, but we're going to keep trumpeting the gospel, especially in this hour. We are to be the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And then there's another valley we're all going through. You've been through there. You've been through there. I don't like going through there, but it's the valley of the shadow of death. We went to a movie recently, and it, it was a Christian movie, right? Surely, am I right? It was the same guys that produced some other Christian movies. So when there's a Christian movie come around, we like to go support it. And just, plus, it's a date. It's a getaway. And we have a lot of fun, but we wanted to see this movie. It was called After Death. Did any of you? Not, there was only what? It looked like most people were dead in there. There was nobody. <laughs> it was, 
There was like five people in that theater. And we were two of them. And I thought, well, this movie probably didn't make it that well. But anyways, after death, and they interviewed all these people that had after or near-death experiences. And Shirley, we had an experience I've shared with you before when she fell off a horse. She was an equestrian rider. And um, she said she believes the Lord spoke to her and said, it's not your time. Time to go back. I personally believe God was seeing me years in the future. He was watching after me. He said, no, it ain't your time. You know, you got another guy that's going to need you down the road. You got to go back. God help him if you don't. So anyway, thank God she'd send him back. But anyway, they were asking these people that had this near-death experience. And somehow they were attuned to the conversations going on. And they said, not one person, not one where the Lord asked, do you want to go back? actually said they want to go back. Not one. I don't know about all that. That's just what they said. When you see him, when you see his face, when you see the... Listen, those guys back there, they're coming anyway. But you're standing before Almighty, the one you've been waiting to see your entire life. There's nobody. But anyway, when you pass through the valley of the shadow of death, you will do what? You will fear. You know why he said fear no evil? Because there's no evil. There's nothing evil about what you're going through. It's only the passageway into what you've been waiting for for all of, you know, all your life and what's going to last forever and ever and ever. And then we know the rest of that story. And then there's a valley of Achor. And that's over in Hosea chapter 2. It's where God promised his people the val- in the valley of Achor a door of hope. The valley of Achor is the trouble. Now, Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have what? Tribulation. But nevertheless, be of good cheer. You're going to have trouble in this life. But here, as they're going through the valley of Achor, he said, there's a door of hope. There's always a door of hope, even in the valley. It looks like trouble is raining down everywhere you look. But there's always a door of hope for those who are in Christ. You know, Daniel, now the ultimate hope. The ultimate. I believe there's a hope because all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Does that mean even in the valley of trouble, there's still God things you're doing that's going to prove your goodness to me and prove that you're good? Absolutely. That's what it says. But there are two places in the Bible that refers to Jacob's trouble. And the first one is Daniel 12. And it says, in that time, I want to preach this like probably was preached. At that time, Michael shall stand up. Man, I'd like to declare that. Well, declare it. At that time, Michael shall stand up. And he says, it's like a word for now. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. Unless I'm in a dream, it looks like we're living in those days. That a time of trouble such as never has been. We'll let God work all the details out and all the timing. But in that scripture, do you know what the rest of the verse says? And at that time, your people shall be delivered. That word means saved. Everyone who's found written in the book. So that's why we got to proclaim the gospel. That in the time of Jacob's trouble, it's going to be also a time where multitudes of names will be written in that book. 
and God will deliver them. It may be at the last day, but they'll be saved for all of eternity. And then the other place is Jeremiah 37. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it, saved out of even the judgment of the nations. Then there's the Valley of Jezreel, and that's that final battle. We're not going to go into that today, the Battle of Armageddon. But uh, I, it, I don't know. There are people think it's happening right now. I personally don't think that is happening at this very moment. There's some deception. There are other battles that have to unfold. But I'm not saying it's not leading to it. Because ultimately, it's going to happen. There's going to be that final battle of Armageddon. But even so, if we always triumph in Christ, guess what happens with you? In Christ, you always triumph. Always. So you're on the winning side. And then the last one that I want to mention, well, there's two more. The Valley of Vision. Now, you've got to see this. Look over in Isaiah 22. This is one of those scriptures, it just seems like to me it's popping out. How many of you are in your Bible reading right now? It's like the Bible, their pages, their scriptures popping out. Is that anybody? It should be for all. Then I just loose that over you. This is the day for the Bible to pop out. Scriptures, things you've learned when you were a kid. The Holy Spirit will bring them back to your memory. Things you memorized when you were supposed to memorize them. Now, some of you didn't. Well, guess what? God will forgive you. And it's a new day. So just say, God, forgive me that I didn't memorize things I should have memorized. Can I start over? And you know what God's going to say. Every day is a new day. His mercies are new. How often? Every morning. All right. Isaiah 22. Now, this has to do with the day of trouble, for it is a day of trouble. Treading down in perplexity by the Lord God of hosts. So we've looked at this recently out of the mouth of both blessing and cursing, woe and well-being. Ultimately, God is sovereign. I'm not going to give into a total, total, you know, theology that says God is God and Satan is God. No, there's only one God. And Satan is under the authority of Almighty God. He does nothing by which he, unless he has permission. And he does have permission to sift America right now as we. He does have permission. Because that sifting will only cause those that really know the Lord to rise to the top. And to really declare their faith will become proven. That they have a real faith. But it says it's a day of trouble and treading down by the Lord God of hosts. In the valley of vision, breaking down the walls and of crying to the mountain. Look over in verse 8. We could re read it all, but he says um, in verse 8, He removed the protection of Judah, his people. He removed the hedge. He lowered the wall. Now this you have to believe in the sovereignty of God. Evil men are doing what evil men do. But evil men are not God. God is God. And one day every knee will bow. All those evil men that plan schemes and devices, they're going to be tossed in the lake of fire along with their master. 
because they did his works. But he said he removed the protection of Judah. You looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. You also saw the damage done or damage to the city of David. There was much damage that had been done because the walls had been lowered. And they were to have vision of something in that hour that they couldn't see. Look in verse 11. Verse in the end of that verse 11. He said, but you did not look to its maker, nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it a long time ago. Verse 14, then it was revealed in my hearing by the Lord of hosts. Surely for this iniquity, there will be no atonement for you, even to your death, says the Lord of hosts. Why was there no atonement? Because they could see the destruction. They could see the penalty of sin, but they couldn't look to the Lord. They weren't looking to the one who was trying to get their attention to say, look up to me and be saved. Look up to me. I am your salvation. I am your hope. I'm the redeemer. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm your Messiah. And they couldn't look up and there was no other redemption. None other than looking up. To whom? Jesus said, no men. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. No man will ever know the Father. No man. No nation. Except they come by me. And that's the gospel. And we're going to trumpet that gospel like we never have before. Because that's the hope. You know, this is Israel's time to be saved. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm with you men. I don't know. But I can tell you, it's also Jordan's time to be saved. It's a rant. Now, Wren is having a great revival. One of the greatest churches, maybe in all of history, is the underground church in Iran. There are many that are calling upon his name. But it's time for you to call on his name. That's the promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's That's my message, and that's what I had to get out this morning, and I thank God. I thank God for his word. Now, we always pray, and then we're going to have prayer around the altar. Ricky, you guys, there have been miracles around this altar. I'm telling you, before it's over, said and done, maybe it's just my being said and done. I don't know. The timings of God, I just know there's going to be a time when the testimonies are going to be lined up. And people are going to come at this altar and they're going to declare what God has done for me. Jesus, this is what Jesus did in my life, in my family. And uh, he's going to get all the glory and all the honor. So we, well, we always pray for people to come to faith because they watch us in many places. And plus, we get to shout the gospel in many, many, many nations. So I just want to pray right now. If you've never met Jesus Listen, if the Holy Spirit is drawing you, this is the hour. This is the day of salvation. National salvation, household salvation, individual salvation. And so just pray. Just say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he lived, that he died, and he rose from the dead. I confess my sin before you. And I call upon you now to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your shed blood that can cleanse me and will cleanse me of all unrighteousness. You know, the Bible says if you believe in your heart, 
confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God has raised his son from the dead, you will be saved. And so you call upon him and let this be your day of salvation. I want to pray for others. How many of you need a miracle this morning? Some miracle, healing, there's something going on in your family. Lord, I just pray for the power of God. Lord, we're here not just to hear the word of a man. We thank you the gospel is not in word but in power. So we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God, the power over sickness, the power over sin, the power over every demonic bondage, stranglehold of the enemy. We break it off of the people right now. And we loose your kingdom, we loose your authority. And Lord, we thank you. This is the will of the Father in heaven, that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we give you all the glory. Now, Lord, ask and encourage everyone. Fill them with joy, hope. Lord, we don't know what we're going to read in the papers this week. But we know what we're going to read in the Word of God, which is eternal. So I ask you to give us a passion for the Word of God like we've never had ever in our lives. A hunger for the Word of the living God. And I thank you, Lord, for answered prayers. And I thank you that you're going to be the one standing when all this is said and done. Jesus will be who exactly who he says he is. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're going to have prayer around the altar. And uh, thank you again, Rivera, for coming. What an honor. I'm going to go vote. I can't tell you who I'm voting for. But God bless you for running.